Good to see you today. If you have your Bibles, take them and turn, turn with me, please, to the book of Matthew, chapter number 4. Matthew, chapter number 4. I'm going to preach along that theme. Two words today is all I'm going to preach. We're going to get out early. We're going to have dinner early. And I'm watching the clock. Two words. And those two words are follow me from Matthew chapter number 4. And uh, then, let's see, Arthur Chapman wanted me to announce that we're going to take part. There's going to be a county-wide revival. Smith County is going to have a county-wide revival. This will be in Marion, Virginia, beside of the V-dot up there in that big field. And it's going to, he's going to use all area preachers. I'll be opening up when, or Monday night. I'll be just opening the service. I won't be preaching, but I'll be opening the service. He's going to use young preachers all week long. And uh, he wouldn't tell me who he's going to use. He said, I don't want people to come to hear a man. So I, I like that. I said, hey, so we're going to try to support him on Wednesday night of that week. But don't, don't forget to pray for that countywide revival. Smith County is a wonderful county, but praise God, it could use some revival. Amen. Amen. So we've got several churches coming together, and we want to be part of that. And this is non-denominational, so it's not a Baptist camp meeting. It's, there's Church of God, there's Methodist, there's Baptist, so we're all going to try to support a revival. We need to let the world know that we support each other. Amen? And uh, we need, if you're born again and Christ lives in you, I don't care what your name is on the door or on the sign. Y'all, you're a child of God. Amen. So if you would please, we're in Matthew chapter 4. You've been seated for a while. Would you stand with me? We're just going to read about three or four verses here. Give you a chance to stretch your legs. Matthew 4, we're going to begin reading in verse number 17. The Bible says, Matthew 4, 17, from that time, Jesus began to preach. If you haven't underlined that word in your Bible, underline the word preach. From that time, Jesus began to preach. And to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said unto them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And watch this, and they straightway left their nets and followed him. Father, we're grateful for the day. What a great homecoming day we have. Thank you for all the work that's been done here and everybody that came out yesterday and helped us. Thank you for the food that's been prepared, the ladies that are in the fellowship hall even now preparing and and serving us. Lord, I thank you for them. Thank you for the servants of our church. Thank you for those who have a servant's heart and say, I'll do whatever's needed. Father, we praise you for that. Now I pray that as we open your word that you would exalt the Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ. Father, I pray you'd lift him up above all things and help us to be mindful of that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want you to notice the first phrase here. The first phrase is from that time. From that time, Jesus began to preach. What time was that? Well, after he had been tempted and tried in the wilderness, Jesus had to go through a time of tempting and trial and proving. Listen to me carefully. If God proved his only begotten son before he would let him have responsibility or place him in the ministry, you better believe that God will prove you before he uses you. God help us to say, 
When Jesus says, follow me, we understand that we are to immediately follow him, but his call is only after a time of proving. I had a young man call me years ago, he's about 18 years old, and uh, he said, preacher, I want to come preach at your church some Sunday morning. I said, well... Why don't you come some Wednesday night and let me meet you and we'll get you started in some manner like that. I'm not just going to turn anybody loose in the pulpit on Sunday morning, amen. Unproven. What are you saying, preacher? God had to prove his only begotten son. Then make a note here. Jesus began to preach. Jesus was a preacher. This world has a view of Jesus as some spiritual person walking around in robes with Jerusalem cruisers on and he's just a flower child healing everybody, some spiritual leader. Let me tell you about Jesus. He was a preacher. If you went out to hear the Lord Jesus Christ, he would lift up his voice and he would preach the word of God. Yet the world doesn't like that view of Jesus, do they? You know why? Because that view is a convicting view. The other view of Jesus, and he was a spiritual leader, he was the, the very son of God. The other view of Jesus is that he was a comforter, and believe me, he is a comforter. But he's also a convictor. What is his message here? It's a message of conviction. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That was the same message that John the Baptist was, had been preaching. Jesus was not repeating a message. He was just repeating the urgency of the same message. Can I tell you as I preach this morning, the gospel that I'm preaching is the same that was preached here in 1950? The gospel that I'm preaching is the same that was preached back yonder in 1895. I've picked up an old gospel message and I'm still preaching Jesus. And Jesus picked up the message, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Can I just say, and I know we have lots of preachers who watch on Facebook, if you're not preaching repentance, you're not preaching at all. Because without repentance, there is no salvation. The Bible says Paul was preaching in Acts chapter 20. He was repenting, repentant, he was preaching repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Today's modern message from the pulpit seems to be forgiveness without repentance. Let me say that again. Today's modern message from the pulpit seems to be forgiveness and grace and mercy without repentance. Let me tell you something. Without repentance, you'll never connect with God. Without admitting who you are and confessing who you are, you will never make a connection with God. God is waiting on us to humble ourselves, confess our sin, forsake our sin, and repent. That word means to turn a 180 turn. Amen. So, there's no redemption without repentance. There's no heaven without humility. There's no salvation without submission. You cannot follow Jesus without forgiveness. That is exactly what Jesus is saying to her, us when he says, follow me. It is to follow Jesus, listen to me carefully, to follow Jesus is not just to pick up a religion. To follow Jesus is not just to repeat the Apostles' Creed. Somebody say, 
say amen. There's a lot of people meeting right in this county this morning and they think if they can just go to church and put on their little robes and they can burn a few candles and, and have a little incense and say the Apostles' Creed that they're a Christian. Let me tell you something. I'll tell you what makes you a Christian. It is repentance toward God and faith toward Jesus Christ. Without that, dear friend, you have no hope of heaven. Thank God. Salvation is in Christ. It's been completed on the cross. And all I have to do is, as we sang this morning, trust Jesus. What a blessing. Follow me is not a call to take up a religion. It is about a relationship. So here comes this preacher in our text, a preacher called Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee. And the preacher looks at these guys fishing and he says, follow me. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd be if I were Peter and Andrew, I would be saying, um, I'm a little analytical of you, pal. Before I follow you, I need to know a little more about you, what you believe, what your stance is. I mean, you're asking me to drop my nets and to follow you. And yet, I find here a lot of information missing. There was no great discourse. Jesus didn't say, follow me, and, and uh, here's my doctrine, and here's my life, and here's my miracles. He, did, he didn't say that. He just looked at them and said, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Listen, that took a lot of faith to drop their nets and follow Jesus. I'll be honest with you. I don't know on two words that I would have followed the Lord Jesus Christ. So this preacher just says, follow me. No great discourse of words. Just a call for these boys to turn from their present position, from their present occupation, from their present desires, from their present will, and turn and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. The occupation of these disciples was obviously commercial fishermen. They weren't just out there fishing for recreation and fishing for fun. They had a business. As far as I can tell, these boys had a successful fishing occupation. They were commercial fishermen. They owned an established business. They appear to be professionals at their trade. They appear to like their line of work. Yet Jesus comes along and says, follow me. And immediately they dropped their nets and followed him. <laughs> I worked on a job 35 years before I decided I'd follow him. Can I just be real honest with you? I said, Lord, Lord, I knew the Lord was calling me. I preached here by vocational. And listen, I, I, let me tell you something. When I look back over my life, I'm just being honest with you. I'm preaching, follow me. When I look back over my life, and Lisa knows I've double questioned my own life, I look back and I say, I worked for 35 years to buy things that I cannot keep. I often wonder if I shouldn't have taken to church 25 years ago and, and got out of my profession then. Well, I can't second guess myself, but here's what I can tell you from this moment forward. I'm following Jesus. I'm going to tell you something. He's took care of me since uh, August the 24th of 1961, and I don't think he's going to quit now. He's took care of our church since 1895, and I don't think he's going to quit now. 
Amen. Praise God. So I want you to notice the terminology of Jesus. He said, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. He did not say, I'll make you a hunter of men. Now I've seen some preachers and some soul, quote unquote soul winners who are hunting. <laughs> I'm not hunting, I'm fishing. Amen. A hunter goes out and he stalks his prey. I'm not a stalker. Listen, you start hunting me and you're going to come across as some kind of stalker. Who wants a stalker? Who's going to follow a stalker? Jesus said, he didn't say I'll make you a hunter. I mean, a, a, a sneaky person who's sneaking up to kill something. My goodness. Jesus said, I'll make you fishers. I like that. I'm just throwing a net out this morning. If you're lost, I'd sure like to catch you. I'd sure like to bring you to Jesus. I can't save you. All I can do is give you a gospel message and the rest is up to you. But he said he'd make us fishers of men. A hunter. Satan is the hunter. Satan, let me tell you something. I'm just going to be shooting straight with you. If Satan is a hunter, the Bible says he is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You know what a roaring lion is? A roaring lion is one who is hungry, who's sneaky, who's subverting and, 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 and uh, stalking their prey. Jesus is not like that. Let me tell you who Jesus is. He said this in Luke 9, 56, For the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Thank God. He said this in John 10, 10. Oh, he said, I come to make life better. He said, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Can I tell you this morning, if you make a decision to follow Jesus, you will have life abundantly. If you make a decision to follow the world, the flesh, and the devil, you'll have that hunter's mentality and you will become the prey of the devil. And the devil comes not to, but to seek to kill and to destroy. I'm glad this morning and I can't help but lift my hands and praise God. I have abundant life living in me. I'm enjoying life. I enjoy the drive to church. I enjoy a little old cheap Chevrolet pickup when I drive it. Amen. I enjoy the food that I eat. I enjoy my home. I enjoy my family. Let me tell you something. If I didn't know Jesus, I wouldn't have none of that. You know where I'd have been without Jesus Christ? I'd have been a drunk. I'd have been a dopehead. I'd have been covered up with, with all kinds of sin and corruption. But I'm going to tell you something. When I made a decision to follow him, uh, he began to bless me. He began to pour out benefits on me. Hey, friend, the blessing of the Lord maketh rich and addeth no sorrow. Amen. Thank God. I believe Jesus is saying this to us, to follow, and I looked this up in a dictionary, to follow means to travel behind, to be guided by. Well, I could say that's true of Jesus. He went before us. He died on the cross. He, he walked as a man. He was tempted as a man. He was tempted in all points, like as unto we are, yet without sin. So yes, in a, in a since I'm following him, I'm following his example, I'm following his word. But to follow means another thing. The second definition of it in Webster's is this, to accompany. 
Now, I'm glad that Jesus leads us and guides us and he's led us through his life and his words and his preaching, his teaching. But you know what? He's accompanying us now. He lives inside of us. He's walking with us. He's not just someone who says, go here, do that, don't do this. No, he's living inside of us and he's a coach. You realize Jesus is a coach? You realize the Spirit of God will coach you in different directions and, and it will just lead you and guide you gently? Thank God for the accompanying of the Lord Jesus and the Spirit that lives within us. I believe Jesus is saying both to us. Let me tell you the difference in a ruler and a leader. A ruler tells you what to do, but a leader goes with you as you do it. Jesus is not just a ruler. God is not just a heavenly sovereign command giver. He goes with us in the spirit of the living God. What will be jumping to benches this morning saying, thank God for that accompaniment of the spirit. Christ has gone before us. He's faced the world, faced the difficulties. He's experienced life, but he's our daily guide. Let me give you a little example about a leader, a follower, and a ruler. Watch who you follow. You remember from history the Donner Party? Y'all remember that story? The Donner Party, I believe it was 1846, they were going to try to cross the Wasatch Mountains out there and go across the Salt Lake. And they were following a man. They were following the guide of a man. This man's name was Lansford Hastings. Lansford had uh, drawn a map of a way across the Wasatch Mountains. And you know what? Here there was one major problem. Lansford had never trekked it. He'd never crossed that way. He'd never gone that way. He didn't know it. He basically, he basically knew there was a path there. He drew it on a map, wrote it in a book, and 90 people followed that trail. 90 people got stuck in those mountains. 90 people began to die. 90 people began to commit cannibalism and to eat each other, even to kill each other for food because they followed a man who did not know the way. That speaks volumes to me this morning. Because when Jesus said, follow me, let me tell you something. He's already been there. He's already walked the pathway before you. He's already gone the way of the cross. He's already gone to heaven. He's already resurrected. Thank God when he said, I am the way. He already knew the way because he was the way. Thank God. So we know who we're following. Who do you want to trust? As we sang this morning, I can trust Jesus. I can trust Jesus. There's many things that a disciple is. Disciples, number one, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. They, when Christ says, whether it's in a few words, like follow me, a disciple says, Lord, I'll follow. Isn't that the faith of Abraham? When, when God said to Abraham, you follow me, and Abraham just pulled up from his country, pulled up from his place, and said, Lord, I'll go. Isn't that the faith of Abraham? Just two words, follow me. 
The disciples, number two, disciples, number one, believe in Christ. Number two, they drop their nets and go with him. That is, they drop their own will, they drop their own work, they drop their own way, and they go the way of the Lord. Have you done that? Have you become a disciple of the Lord Jesus? Have you dropped your sinful ways? Have you dropped your sinful will? Have you dropped your sinful walk and said yes to the Lord Jesus and began to be his disciple, began to follow him, began to read his word? The Bible says, and they straightway left their nets and followed him. Let me tell you something else about following Jesus. When you drop your nets, you're leaving your past behind. I'm glad my past is behind me. Somebody say amen. I'm glad my past is back yonder. And you know where my past is? It's under the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm not just talking about my past when I was a young man and I wasn't right with God and I was just going anywhere and doing anything. I'm talking about my yesterday, dear friend. My yesterday is under the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm glad that it's in the net and it's in the depths of the sea. Praise God for the forgiveness and mercy and grace of the Lord Jesus that don't float your boat, something's wrong, praise God. They leave their past behind. Now look at verse number 21 of Mark chapter 4. Watch this. Same thing. And going on from thence, he saw two other brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them, and they immediately left the ship and their father, and followed him. Not only did James and John leave their occupation, they left their nets, they left their job, they left their work, they left their family to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Now let me tell you something. You will never give up anything for Jesus that he doesn't make it up. Hey, we, we often as Christians say, oh, I'm, a, I'm afraid to completely trust him. I'm afraid to completely follow him. I'm afraid to come, become completely his disciple. I'm afraid. Listen, the best thing you can do is trust Jesus. Amen. The best thing you can do is just go ahead and surrender. Throw them nets down. Tell your daddy goodbye. Say goodbye to the ship. And trust Jesus. Let me tell you something. I'm not sorry I trusted Jesus. I'm not sorry, I'm trusting him today. He can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that I ask or think. Amen. Can I just say this before I move on? i got to close. There are two words in the Bible that can completely change your life. And those two words are follow me. Follow me. Follow me may not lead you to the biggest paying job, but it will lead you to satisfaction. Which one do you want? Follow me may not lead you to be the most popular person in the world, but it will lead you to peace and joy. Which one do you want? Amen. Amen. Follow me may not give you the, 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 the things of the world, but follow me can give you the things, the deep things of God that will take away the anxiety, take away the anger, take away the sin, and give you the very peace of God. Thank God. Follow me. 
you can rest assured that following Jesus is the right thing to do. I read in the Bible where he called other people. Jesus passed from thence, saw a man of Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom, and he say, follow me. And he arose and followed him. Matthew was a tax collector. He called people from all occupations. Uh, Bartholomew was a farmer. Simon was a zealot who hated Romans. Yet Jesus made disciples. Don't you miss this. Jesus made disciples of all these men from different backgrounds, from different places, from different financial statuses, all kinds of places Jesus made disciples. Now I want you to write this down. He doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Now let me explain that. He doesn't call the qualified. In other words, he doesn't say to you, you meet this certain qualification, let me review your resume, let me, let me interview you, and you meet this certain qualification and I'll use you. You know what he says? He calls you, and after he calls you, he'll qualify you. Amen. After he calls you, he will equip you. He's not going to call you to do something and then hang you out on the end of the rope and say, sorry, pal, you're on your own. Amen. Jesus is not going to do that. Remember, he is with us. He accommodates us every step of the way. Amen. He said this, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Jesus said this, If any man would be my disciple... Let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. There is a cost associated with following Jesus. You see, but listen, <laughs> the cost of following Jesus does not compare with the benefits that you get. The cost of following Jesus, hey, how could you put a cost on being free from sin? How could you put a price on the blessings of God? Hey, he says, there's a cost. Deny yourself and follow me. I'll pour out my blessings on you. I don't know about you, but I'll take that, amen. I'll take my sins gone. I'll take the grace of God. I'll, I'll take what he says when he says, follow me. Let me tell you something. I'll follow him anywhere. I remember when I was working. I was working in a coal yard. I'll give you these illustrations and close. I was working in a coal yard. And I loved it. I loved it. I was working in the coal yard of the power plant. I spent a week on a bulldozer. I spent a week on a locomotive. I spent a week in the scale house just pushing buttons and writing down numbers. Lisa can tell you I whistled when I went to work. And I whistled when I came home. I loved it. But I was working Sundays, Saturdays, weekends, never off on the evening, evening shifts. And the shifts were bothering me. And there was another job that came open up at the power plant, and it was in maintenance. I didn't want to go there. I didn't want to go. But the Lord was dealing with me about being a Sunday school teacher. And I knew I couldn't accept that Sunday school position unless I switched positions and I prayed and prayed and prayed and I said Lord I don't want to go 
I, lo I love where I'm at. I love it. And God said, go. I was going to lose 25% of my salary. Lisa and I were a, a young couple with one income, struggling. Do you know what I did? I obeyed the Lord. I started teaching Sunday school, started leading the choir, started doing other jobs of leadership in the church, and God began to bless me. Are you with me? And God began to use me. And it wasn't long, about 15 years on that job, to where that job became shift work. And I was right back in the same boat. And the Lord said, I'm going to open up something else for you, but you're going to lose 25% of your salary again. I said, well, you've already taught me that. You'll make it up. Amen. So I moved to that job. And that, from that job, I retired. And God put me here. You know what he was doing? He was teaching me to trust him, to follow him, and he would take care of the finances. Amen. He would take care of my children. He would take care of my home. He would take care of my health. Listen, you're looking at an old boy that spent one, one night in the hospital in 62 years. Hey, those are blessings that you can't buy, dear friend. What are you saying, preacher? Jesus said, follow me. He'll transform your life this morning if you're lost. He'll transform your life if you'll follow him. He'll change your attitude if you'll follow him. He'll open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing if you'll follow him. Now I'm going to ask you a question. She's playing the old hymn, Where He Leads Me, I Will Follow. I want to ask you a question. Are you lost this morning? Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? If you don't know him, you've never repented of your sins, you've never trusted him, dear friend, you are on your way. The Bible says it so plainly. You are on your way to a devil's hell. For all of eternity. You say, preacher, that's scare tactics. No, that's truth from the word of God. God's putting it on your plate. And he's calling you to trust Jesus and to follow him. If you're lost this morning, I want you to slip out of your seat right now. And come forward and trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. By your coming, Brian will take a Bible and slip you into another room and show you how you can know for sure that you're saved, that you'll be going to heaven when you die. Show you for sure that you can be blessed by following Christ. He does transform. He does forgive. The simplest words of the Bible are follow me. I'm asking you this morning to follow Jesus. And then Christian, let me ask you this. And if I make some of you uncomfortable, fine. Where are you in your Christian walk? Are you following him? Did you just come to Christ for fire insurance or are you his disciple? 
Are you following him just so he'll bless you a little bit to come to church on Sunday morning and try to do this and try to do that and try to smile and have a good attitude? Hey, I'm asking you this morning to follow Jesus. I'm asking you this morning to make a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, to go where he sends you, do what he tells you, say what he speaks to you. I'm asking you to come this morning and commit yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. To follow him. She's playing that old song, I can hear my Savior calling. Calling. He's calling you. Maybe he's calling you this morning to preach. Maybe he's calling you this morning to teach. Maybe he's calling you this morning to step up and read your Bible more. Maybe he's calling you this morning to lead a devotional or teach a new Sunday school class. Maybe he's calling you into some area of ministry. We have so many. What's he asking of you? If you'll follow him, I promise you, number one, it'll be the best way. And number two, you will be blessed. Somebody say amen.